0: Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 201. We're happy to be back together uh, over the uh, illnesses and things that had us separated for a couple of weeks, but we're very excited about this week's show. Got a really good show lined up for you. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our City of the Week, Player of the Week, Equipment Tip of the Week, Did You Know, Have a Fun Listener Question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our leadoff topic, we're going to talk about the uh, Division I top 25s are starting to come out and some uh, similarities, things that you would expect, and a couple of things that maybe you didn't. In our cleanup topic, we're going to talk about USSSA is changing some of their pitching rules. Uh, just uh, Coach Don and I are going to give you our take on it, uh, what it means, and, and if it's just the tip of the iceberg. And then our coaching tip of the week, we're going to talk about how to increase arm strength. Before we get into the topic, so let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you're in a position where you can help support what we're doing with everything fast pitch and coach prep, Coach Don and I would really appreciate the support. If you can become a patron, go to patreon.com. There's three different levels of support. goes a long way towards keeping this podcast fluid and, and in business. Uh, we really do appreciate the support we've gotten from the, the patrons that we've had so far. We would love to add some more people to that list. Patrons, thank you very much for keeping us moving forward. Uh, but there's some stuff we would like to be able to do in the future. And unfortunately, everything that you do in this business has a cost attached to it and so patrons are an important part of us continuing to upgrade and continuing to do things that we would like
1: to do. So, Tori, that's just basically pledging 5 10 or $20 a month Correct. To, to help us pay the expenses and all the mechanical needs that we need, right? Absolutely, and it's uh,
0: again, it's something that we really do appreciate. Uh, we know that a lot of people are listening, and a lot of people are obviously uh, seeing some value in what we're doing, so if you are in a position where you can, please get on board and help. So, Don, In our warm up segment this week, first, we're going to talk about our city of the week, Spring Harbor, Michigan.
1: Spring Harbor, Michigan, we're getting some
0: frozen tundra places, some fun northern
1: cities that are, uh, must be getting excited about their spring softball coming.
0: Yeah, well, I think, uh, it's still kind of out on the horizon for folks up in that part of the country. Um, I know when I coached at Wisconsin Parkside, we spent a lot of time in the state of Michigan playing the way our regional uh, setup when I first started coaching. Uh, Those were the schools that we had to play if we wanted to have a chance to get uh, selected for the NCAA tournament. A lot of those areas, a lot of those places with those really strong Division II schools were just near and dear to my heart. But I can remember being there in uh, April and May and still having snow problems and and games snowed out and things like that. So it's always interesting. But obviously, Spring Harbor has uh, seen some uh, increases. number of people who have listening to the podcast jumped up last week, and we certainly do appreciate it. As we do every week, if you are listening and have a opportunity to sell somebody new on the idea of listening to everything fast pitch or coach prep, it's great for us to see the numbers growing. We always love to see the numbers increasing, and it's uh, all by word of mouth pretty much now. I think that uh, when we see something uh, take off, it's, it's one listener telling somebody new to, to listen to it, and whenever we see the numbers take a big jump in one place like Spring Harbor, um, obviously there's uh, usually an organization or a group of people or a whole team or whatever it is that have jumped on board. So we just want to say thank you very much to Spring Harbor. You're the City of the Week. So our Player of the Week, Don, it was a beautiful thing.
1: Okay. Last
0: week I whined a little bit, complained a little bit, uh, did a little bit of uh, getting after our listeners a little bit. It has worked, so I'm going to continue to do it. Please continue to send us nominations. It was great to get some nominations and uh, have a chance to recognize uh, some different players and and different parts of the country. Uh, So this week our Player of the Week is Libby Collum. Libby is from Alabama. She plays on a team called the Tribe 07. Uh, Libby was nominated. Uh, her team played in an indoor tournament in Shelbyville, Tennessee. Cool. Which yeah. I've seen pictures from that facility, and it's uh, one of those kind of interesting things because it's very similar type of facility to where we used to do our holiday camp when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, but they've converted it now and figured out a way to play a couple of softball games uh, simultaneously in that facility. But uh, Libby did a really good job for her team, helped them have a really successful weekend in that indoor tournament in Shelbyville. She's a pitcher, hardworking kid, total team player, and exactly the kind of player that we want to be recognizing every week as our uh, Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. So if you have a player that you would like to nominate, please make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And uh, just a few of the particulars, a couple of things about why you want that player to be recognized, and we would be happy to add them to the mix. It's great for us to uh, have the opportunity to recognize players. And, and as we've said many times, doing great things on the softball field is easy for us to recognize. But we're also looking for those stories of kids who are doing things in the, in the community, doing great things in the classroom, um, and, and obviously having uh, success on the softball field.
1: Libby, hey, great job, and keep it up. Looking forward to a lot more out-of-state players join, joining the, the player of the week. Yeah, yeah, so
0: congratulations, Libby Collum. You are the fast-pitch prep player of the week. So, Don, our equipment tip of the week, let's talk about the Square Cuts training discs.
1: Yeah, no, we've, again, every single week, Tori, we've got, uh, you know, new people that come to the facility, they're excited to see them, they're intrigued, once they've uh, figured out exactly what they're uh, all about, they're taking them home with them, and again, from taking care of your uh, high-end, high-performance bat, and not tearing them up, to being a reasonably Quiet training tool for us at home, not disturbing all of our siblings and neighbors. To giving us feedback, every cut we take, we're able to tell whether we hit it square or not. And uh, I think they're really wonderfully named. I think you picked that name, Tori. Well, I think we uh, went around and about a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, the, good, the, the square cut,
0: the square cuts training discs are our first venture into the training business. Uh, over the years, I think, experimented with a lot of different ideas and tried some different things. And this was something that, after some discussion, you and I both agreed that it was a tool that was kind of a no-brainer, that was kind of shocking to us that we didn't really already have something like that on the market. Uh, so if you're interested, the SquareCuts training discs are available on our FastPitchPrep.com website. You go to FastPitchPrep.com, click on the link on the front page. It's going to take you through the ordering process. We will get them shipped out to you right away. They're $49.95 a dozen. Uh, they hold up great. The, you'll get a lot of mileage out of them, and it's a great tool for whether it's a player individually training at the house or for a team who needs uh, another set of uh, tools to use and another drill to set up uh, to make practice a little bit more complete. Uh, we hit them with our team at every practice. I hit them with kids in my lessons consistently, yeah. um, and I know you're hitting them in, in your lessons every day too. So the cuts training discs go to the fastpitchprep.com website. So, Don, did you know this week we've got kind of a sad story I wanted us to talk about Softball coach that uh, I have met a couple of times. I don't know her really well. Jade Guther at uh, Reinhardt was involved in a very serious accident uh, on her campus or near her campus. She was driving a golf cart and was hit by a car going at highway speeds. And uh, Coach Jade was very, very seriously injured. You know, I think it's important for all of us in the softball community if we're in a position where we can do something to help. Obviously, she's on a long road back to recovery. Um, has a very long uh, road ahead of her. And because of that, the expenses, the, the medical bills, all those things are, are racking up at an incredible pace. She's just a really good young coach that, uh, that needs the support of the softball community. Um, they've created a GoFundMe page for her. And I think if uh, you're in a position, if you can uh, help a little bit, anything that uh, we can do um, is, is going to be, uh, be a big help for them. She was near death has come back from that, but she's got a long road ahead and many surgeries and things like that still out on the horizon. So uh, to me, it's miraculous that that Coach Jade survived the accident, and uh, we want to do everything we can to help support her um, and to help uh, any way that we can with bringing awareness to her situation and, and trying to get people on board to help. So uh, go to GoFundMe.com um, and just uh, look her up. Uh, last name is G-E-U-T-H-E-R. First name is, is Jade. And again, if you go ahead and uh, Take a look, uh, and and are in a position where you can help. Uh, any kind of donation would be greatly appreciated.
1: I was going to say, Tori, she's just up there in Waleska, just up the road from us, um, at Reinhardt University. And from what I understand, you know, they've had a couple of really nice seasons, and it's really sad that she's having to work through this right now. Yeah, that's tough. Like you said, anything we can do, we got to stick together and do the best we can to take care of those that are in this journey with us. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I think one of the things that we've seen over and over again is the softball community is really a very caring group. If, if something bad happens, that there's always going to be people within the softball community that are willing to get involved. So if you can help Coach Jade and her situation uh, um, and to just reach out and support her and support the the kids at Reinhardt University, because uh, obviously going through this kind of a situation with their head coach uh, in such a terrible accident and then uh, not being able to be there for the team during uh, the spring season is going to be a challenge for everybody. So Keep them in your prayers, and uh, if you can help, go to the GoFundMe page. So, Don, listener question. Carlos sent me an email and wanted to know, is there a softball Hall of Fame?
1: Right. No, um, we have occasionally spoken about the, the Hall of Fame and how exciting it is when you get out there to Oklahoma to go check it out, right? Yep. I think there's a lot of interesting things that might be unknown to you know all of us. Uh, if you do get a chance to go through there and, and take a look. Right. Yeah.
0: One, and one of the things for, for Carlos to answer your question, there are several softball halls of fame. The one that we're most familiar with and the one that we see uh, um, during the uh, spring season when the College World Series goes to Oklahoma City is the USA Softball uh, National Hall of Fame, which is affiliated with the Hall of Fame Stadium where they play the, the national championship. But there's several other organizations, several other groups that also have their own Hall of Fame uh bodies to recognize players usa softball is there to recognize players coaches administrators umpires um, fast pitch slow pitch kind of the whole history of the game of softball in the united states and it's a fun place to go if you ever get the opportunity to go there you know there's a lot of uh, things that kind of you know pull at your heartstrings a little bit you know you see pictures of, of you know some of the legendary players that you've heard about in the past so it's a fun place to go now the nfca also has their own hall of fame But the NFCA, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association, their Hall of Fame is really to recognize coaches, whether it's uh, for on-field success or uh, support of the game of fast pitch, you know, coaches that have done a lot. Um, I know USSSA has a a Hall of Fame, and many local state groups have their own Hall of Fame. I know the Wisconsin ASA, which is now Wisconsin USA Softball, um, they have their own Hall of Fame. To me, it's a it's a really exciting thing to know that a lot of players, coaches, people that have really sacrificed a lot for the game have been recognized. When you think of the Hall of Fame, it is one of those kinds of uh, bucket list kinds of things. If you're really uh, dedicated to something, to have the kind of career, whether it's as a player or a coach, to be recognized and uh, put into a Hall of Fame is a pretty cool thing.
1: No, and and again, it's kind of inspirational to get in there with your group or your team and get a chance to take a look at some of the history like you said and the pioneers and people that that did do a lot early in the um, in the game here in our area right right?
0: well one of the things I think uh, that uh, might have uh, piqued Carlos's question also is all the uh, discussion that's been going on with the baseball hall of fame here over the last couple of weeks with uh, David Ortiz getting voted into the baseball hall of fame and then of course you know the discussion that's a never-ending challenge with who should. Yeah, Barry Bonds yeah. and yeah. Roger Clemens and, and Pete Rose. And to me, you know, the whole baseball Hall of Fame argument is one of those things. I had this discussion with somebody the other day. So I understand why there is this need to, I guess, hold people accountable for choices that they've made or things that they've done in the past. But a Hall of Fame that doesn't include the person with the most hits ever, the person with the most home runs ever, And I believe the person with the most Cy Young awards ever, Right. Um, none of those three guys are in the Hall of Fame, but there's a lot of other people with, you know, kind of sketchy histories and things like that that Uh, have. They may
1: just not have gotten caught. Yeah. And
0: to me, that was one of those things I thought just made for an interesting discussion. And so, you know, baseball obviously has got such a long and storied history. You know, when you think back to players who played before the color line was broken, and when they were playing just, you know, white baseball. And then, you know, African-American players that never got an opportunity to even compete. You know, so that those eras are always a little bit different. You know, back in uh, you know our day when we were younger, there were a lot of players doing different kinds of things that could have been either performance enhancing or performance inhibiting, I guess, depending upon how, how much and how, how, how often you did it. Right. But, uh, so it's just kind of an interesting thing. But so uh, without getting too far off in the weeds about the politics of the Baseball Hall of Fame, I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing to talk about and I do appreciate uh, Carlos asking us about the Softball Hall of Fame, Um, and uh, obviously it's something that we would strongly recommend. If you're a big enough fan that you're listening to this podcast, um, do a little bit of research, and you're going to see some names, see some faces, uh, see some pictures and things that are going to really pull at your heartstrings a little bit. And, uh, Carlos, we really do appreciate your question. If you have a question that you would like us to answer, please reach out to us at fastpitchprep at gmail.com or fastpitch at gmail.com, and uh, we'll add it to the list of things to talk about. Um, And Carlos, your uh, Everything Fast Pitch t-shirt's in the mail. So, Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play.
2: Hey, it's Paige here. It is so good to be back with you guys. And I was listening to an Audible uh, book on audio this morning. And in this book, they were talking about just a lot about fear, why we do something, why we don't do something Um, And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me this morning was we oftentimes don't do something because we think the worst is going to happen, but typically we fear the most what we actually really want and something that's going to be really great. Um, And it's like thinking about like, I'm already doing it this way and not finding happiness. So why not do something different and see what happens? But that's where the fear comes in, right? So um, this is something that I talk about with the girls that I work with all the time is I'm teaching them these different mental training skills and working on their mindset. And I'm like, okay, we we look a lot at, okay, what if you were to just keep doing what you're doing um, and getting the same results? Like, is that what you want? And typically it's no, right? Because they're, they're stuck. They're in a slump. They're struggling with something. They're not feeling as confident. They want more out of themselves. And then I ask them, well, what if you chose to use this tool or to think about this differently, or say this to yourself 10 times or whatever it might be, whatever it is that we're working on kind of in the moment. And you see changes and, um, and good things happen. And they're like well, yeah, of course I would want to do it that way. And I, it's so easy to talk about, but actually doing it and taking action is the hard part. But it's, um, it's really interesting to see like, oh, like why don't I just do the thing? Um, even though it seems scary and I have that fear and see what happens. It's almost like, what do I have to lose? Kind of um, thought process there. So I know that a lot of families and athletes and parents have... Maybe you've been afraid to start a mental training program. Uh, maybe you know you've been hesitant to even start my program, the Confident Athlete. And there's t- seriously no judgment. I totally get it. Investing in something is a big deal. And I've been wanting to get these mindset lessons that I've been talking a little bit about, um, which are weekly mindset lessons to really focus on the mental part of the game. Started because of this fear of commitment. Um, jumping in headfirst, not sure if there'll the there will be results for your athlete uh, feelings that you might be having. So I wanted to add these mindset lessons because I know that parents are kind of in that fear. So I'm giving you the okay. Well, let's do this. And there's like, what do we have to lose if we try a couple of mindset lessons and see what happens. Um, so mindset lessons is a perfect way to get your athlete working on her mindset. And I'm talking about breaking past limiting beliefs, learning how to move past mistakes, giving herself credit and not being so hard on herself all the time, having tools like visualization and breathing so she can perform under pressure. And that those things just hit the surface. There are so many other tools and mindset work that we're going to be doing in the mindset lessons every single week. So this is a super stress-free no commitment, pressure, simple way to get started. And it's just um, $45 for a lesson to try out. Um, think of these lessons just like those physical lessons, except now we are going to unlock the key to her true confidence and really feeling that that, that real confidence that you guys are looking for. So you guys can book your first lesson today. Um, the schedule is we are going to have mindset lessons Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 and 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and you can book those at my website, pagetons.com backslash lessons. So I really hope to see you guys there, and I hope this was helpful today.
0: Don, I love listening to Paige every week. It's just an exciting thing to listen to her, share her information, share her programs. She's got a lot of great stuff going on. I strongly recommend it to all our players. Check out It's T-O-N-Z.com and sign up for some of the stuff she's got going on. So that's going to take us to our leadoff topic. Lead Off Topic is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Address is 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. The phone number of Elite is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at elitesportsorders at yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, equipment, uh, spirit wear, anything at all, just contact the folks at Elite, and they'll be happy to ship it to you anywhere in the country. So down we had Justin uh, McLeod on a little bit ago, and he talked about I guess uh, things that he's anticipating his predictions for the season. And now uh, we've had a couple of different organizations have come out with their top 25 and there are some things that are very familiar and some things that are uh, I guess a little bit uh, um, new new and, and different. So as we can uh, usually would have expected and some things that we would normally count on going into this type of time of the year is that the vast majority of the teams that are being recognized in that preseason top 25 are a lot of the same old familiar faces, people that we always expect to be good, the powerhouses that are always going to be good. And the reality of our situation now is that I think that the way that things are headed is that uh, we're going to see more and more years where this same group of schools is listed consistently as the uh, real national contenders. And then there's going to be the random one or two schools that sneak in at the bottom of the top 25. Uh, to just kind of give it a little bit of flavor, but uh, we can count on a couple of things, and the first thing I wanted to talk about is that uh, um, every poll that I've seen so far has one thing in common, and that's Oklahoma is the team that everybody expects to be awful good again. So we talked about a little bit uh, uh, last week that I had listened to an interview that uh, Patty Gasso did where she talked about this year um, her pitchers have been dominating her hitters in preseason practices and fall practices, which when you think about the record-breaking offense that they had last year at Oklahoma, a little bit surprising. It's it to and hear. Uh, and it's a little bit scary because I my guess is that their offense is still pretty darn good. Oh, you would think, right? Barry. And so that if uh, if they've upgraded their pitching to the point where those pitchers are able to stop that offense, that uh, very few college teams had any success at all with last year. That says a lot. But so Oklahoma uh, appears to be the unanimous number one. The next one that everybody keeps talking about, whether they're second, third, fourth in the order, is Alabama. And, of course, that makes sense to me because Alabama has Montana Fouts. Fouts, uh, Clearly one of, if not the best pitcher in the country coming back, one of the very best. She's the kind of pitcher that can beat everybody and anybody. Uh, And they always have a a strong team around her, too. But So Alabama's been highly uh, thought of. They're they're in the top uh, couple of schools on every list that I've seen. Another one, a name that we all are familiar with and, and expect to see every year is UCLA. Um, UCLA has been coming in in that third or fourth spot, depending upon the poll. And again, no big surprises there. I know Justin had mentioned that uh, UCLA is a school that he thinks is going to be very good, but they've got uh, uh, some holes to fill and some, some players that uh, uh, graduated last year that uh, have left the program that uh, leave a few question marks for people to kind of sort uh, Big shoes sort to through. fill. Big, yeah, yeah some, definitely some big shoes. But the one that is clearly making its mark on the polls that was not in that position a handful of years ago is Oklahoma State. And to me, I think that's one that's going to be very interesting to see. You know, Kenny Gajewski's uh, done a great job at Oklahoma State. He's uh, proven his mettle as a coach, proven his ability to build a program, and, and we've talked about it in the past, has clearly figured out how to use the transfer portal and, and his connections to the softball community to continually upgrade the quality of their team and to keep bringing in those impact players that are going to make a gigantic difference. Now this year's big name was Miranda Elish, the player who had been at Oregon with coach Mike white transferred to Texas with coach white, and then, uh, sat out because of, uh, COVID issues last year. And then sounded like most people expected that she was going to stay retired, but, uh, has decided to resurrect her career one more time and, uh, and go a few miles up the road. Uh, to uh, Oklahoma State, so I think that's going to be interesting. But otherwise, Don, there's really a lot of the same teams. I'll just kind of go through the list, um, and and we can kind of you know, talk about how familiar it seems that all these same names are in the list. But we've got Florida, Florida State, Washington, Texas, Arkansas. You know, Virginia Tech is one that is being mentioned quite often in the top ten range. You know, Coach Pete's done a great job at at Virginia Tech with that program you know they have clearly established themselves as one of the very best teams in the ACC and one of the best teams in the country that's really the first team on the list that isn't in the been there done that used to it you know always see him in the polls kind of list you know and then uh, after them we've got Arizona Missouri Michigan you know again uh, you know schools that everybody's used to seeing in that in that mention I think Missouri has done a great job of getting back into that uh, national championship contender status uh, after co- a couple of down years. And Michigan, to me, I think is a total wild card because last year's schedule was so screwed up. The way the Big Ten handled things that you know they didn't have a chance to show the world uh, in, during the regular season what kind of team they had. But I think that uh, uh, them coming in in that 13, 14, 15 range might be a little bit low. I think that they might be a whole lot better than that. Then another new-ish program that's been getting a lot of mention in that you know, 10, 12, 15 range is Clemson. Yes. Uh, you know, our, our good friend Scott Whitlock is the uh, voice of the Clemson the softball program, Tigers does uh, yep. the, the radio and the, and the TV broadcast. I know, you know from talking to Scott that uh, he was very impressed with how quickly they got good and how good they really are. So I think that'll be interesting to see how they stack up with uh, Florida State and Virginia Tech in, in the ACC.
1: What about JMU? You know, well, they're they're sneaking in
0: there in the like about the 2025 20, range i think a lot of people are curious to see how jmu is going to be now that odyssey alexander has graduated you know i think a lot of schools that are in that uh quote unquote uh, next level when we see them have big success you know maybe make it to the college World series or uh, or hit the national polls it's usually on the strength of that one or two great players almost always a great pitcher that uh, for one reason or another is at a school that maybe you know you wouldn't necessarily expect to have such a dominating pitcher, but they were everybody's sweetheart last year, every, the team that everybody fell in love with, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they shake see out. How they load up. Yeah. yeah, but I know I'm, I'm seeing them on, on uh, a lot of the polls, but always in that 22, 23, 24 range, as is uh, Louisiana. You know, the Ragin' Cajuns, just always in the rankings, always in the polls. To me, it's one of those places that's uh, always going to be pretty good. Our friends just down the road that made it to the College World Series last year, Georgia, they've been in that 16 to 25 range in all the polls that I've seen. And then the only other school that uh, I thought really made a huge impact last year that's not necessarily in that big school, big reputation group is Wichita State. I've been seeing them right at the bottom of the top 25 in that 23, 24, 25 range. But uh, except for James Madison and Louisiana and Wichita State, um, everybody that i'm seeing in the poll so far all those uh been there done that expect to see them schools and i guess my first question for you don is how much of it do you think it is because everybody knows that they're good or because they've been so
1: good in the past that we
0: just always give them the benefit of the doubt whether they really deserve it or not
1: i think exactly just what you said is that uh their history and and their consistency really provides them a lot of opportunity to. To stay in the rankings, at least early in the season, right? And, right. You know, there's no reason for them not to be really strong, and and right now everybody kind of knows the names, they know the kids. If everything happens like it should, I think that they're probably pretty close most of the time on on the ranking. So right, and, and the reputation
0: yeah. is a big part of it, especially for the preseason polls, because nobody's played a game yet. Obviously, there's lots of talk and rumors and rumblings about so-and-so did this during the fall season or this team looked really good during the fall season or you know this player transferred and that's going to make you know that program so much stronger vice versa that you know a school lost a certain player and that's yeah. going to make them so much weaker uh, but right now it's all conjecture but I can tell you from, you know many years ago when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech I was on the uh, ranking committee the national poll um, I was our conference representative and uh, I think that for the NFCA they still do it the same way where they have one representative from each conference is, uh, their... is a voting mm-hmm. member on on the on the ranking committee. And I can remember, you know, staring at the list every week. I can remember, you know, getting the weekly updates and, you know, who played and who didn't and who they beat and all those different kinds of things. And how hard it was to kind of rationally look at the results, but still over block out what already, you know, like the preconceived ideas, the preconceived notions I already had. And back then, you know, when I was doing the poll, it was really pretty simple. Every week, number one was either UCLA or Arizona, whichever one you didn't put number one, you put number two. And then after that, that's when you really needed to start to think about who was third or fourth or fifth. But I can remember how hard it was for me. And I tried to invest a lot of time in it, tried to really, you know, make a lot of phone calls and talk to different coaches and things like that. But you know, once you got down to about 15 and on in the rankings, so much of it was just depending you know, on the day and, the, the day yeah, and, and, and yeah. maybe what happened just in that last weekend, you know maybe uh, you know uh, like a big impressive win would would totally sway your your judgment. But the thing that I always struggled with was when let's say UCLA would play Arizona and we you know, all assumed that those were the two best teams, when one of them would lose to the other, it would be hard to penalize them. Sure. And so then you'd always have the, well, so-and-so lost two out of three games this week, but they didn't drop in the polls. And -and so-and-so swept, you know, five games this week and they didn't move up. It's like, well, I know, but it's, you know, when you're talking about such a a storied group of teams that all have such strong records and all have so much, you know, going for them, it gets to be kind of a difficult thing to decide.
1: I was going to say, Tori, I don't know, uh, you know, if it makes it easier or not, but there's so much information available now and just I mean from social media to everything on the internet to being able to actually see the games on TV right a lot of times I think might even make it maybe easier for them to get it right
0: yeah when I think it it definitely gives you the chance to use the eyeball test more than we ever did back then when I was sure. doing it it was a miraculous thing to see a game on TV you called someone uh, to th- to find out what happened, right? It, it would went, it right. would have to be the word of mouth and the opinions of other people because you didn't have the chance to put on ESPN three and watch yeah. Louisiana play Wichita State, figure Let's out how see. good they really are, yeah. Or you know to see James Madison play Virginia Tech in a midweek doubleheader and and be able to tell from that. It was for us. It was I would wait until Sunday night. I would get an email that would basically have the weekly uh, rundown of how everybody that was ranked had done and then everybody else who had been in consideration how they had done it so you'd get an email that would say UCLA was 4 and 0 this week they beat Long Beach State on Wednesday and then they swept Oregon State on on the weekend and Look that at, was the only information we really had you'd see some box scores yeah, maybe ex- except for that stats well and when I was doing we didn't have really have the internet i mean yeah. we didn't really have the you know the www. anything you know now you know as you said Don, with social media and everything else there's so much more information which I think adds a lot to it, and I think the, you know, the wild card to the whole thing now is, especially for this preseason, you know, is the transfer portal and basically free agency in softball. How much that has impacted people's impressions? And you know, we talked about Oklahoma State being, you know, a powerhouse team, and they're a powerhouse team because they've got great kids who are and great coaches and a great program. But they also have figured out a niche where they're getting some really really good transfer players to come there to play for a year or two. That is totally different than back in my day when I was, you know, doing the uh the rankings, player transferring was like a, an amazing thing. It shocked you when it happened and it was very rare that somebody who was a great player at one great school would transfer to a, another great school. Sometimes it would be, you know, the player of the year from a smaller conference might move to a bigger school. Sure. But you know, now the, you know, you'll see, you know, kids with, you know, from one SEC school going to another, you see kids from, you know, the top team in the ACC going to the top team in the big 12 and vice versa. You know, to me, it's just kind of a crazy thing how it, how it all has changed, but it's just one more thing that's got me so amped up, so excited. I know a lot of the, uh, junior college teams, NAI schools have already started playing. You know, they started this past weekend. I know next weekend is big for, uh, uh, division two schools. Um, And then a week or two after that, it's Division One's going to be cranking it up full tilt. And very, very quickly, we're going to find out whether these rankings had any merit, because this year, at least so far, and I have my fingers crossed every time I think about this, we've got a lot of these great schools all going to be playing against each other early in the
1: year, and a whole bunch of them are going to be on TV. Well, I'm excited to find out how this season goes, and I know that it's not going to have a huge impact in our immediate season that's coming, but... And maybe you don't want to talk about this yet, Tori, but the name, image, and likeness stuff for softball, I think, is going to become a thing. It is. I think that we're going to start seeing pitchers first, pulled from one from one group to another to, you know, make a payday, basically, and, and be paid to play. And I think it's going to have a huge impact in, you know, how a lot of these schools, uh, you know, go about their their business no and, I, I agree and if there's a, a donor or somebody that's highly interested in a school doing really well that's able to do it they're just going to say i want our group to win yeah and, well, and, and, if, any... and if pitchers not pitching against us because they're on our squad then you know we're in good shape
0: yeah well and, and honestly you, when you think about it you know when you were coaching at kennesaw state when i was coaching let's say at tennessee tech I'd be mortified now. Yeah. I'd I mean, be scared to death about losing a great player that we had and that we had invested in. But the other thought I had, and this is something that's really not I guess kind of puts the whole thing in perspective, is there was one person who supported our softball program that I honestly believe if I had gone to them, if, if they if I was still coaching there, you know, and all things had remained the same, that if I went to them and said, Hey, would you be able to put together X number of dollars so that we can get a top five pitcher right. or a top 10 pitcher? That they were in a position between what they would have been able to do themselves and what they could have gotten other people they know to do to help. Because they loved softball. They you know, went to a lot of games and, and supported our program really, really well. They, they did a lot for our program financially in facilities and, and you know, donations that way. At a little school like Tennessee Tech, I'm thinking that if I needed to, I could have put together a package to try Lure to sway a player away. because yeah. of NIL money. What's happening at some of these schools with all these multi-multi millionaire, you that's, know, super success stories? You know, there's a, a school in the SEC of. that had yeah. uh, you know a, a really successful run a few years ago. Construction company in their home state was investing millions of dollars in facilities upgrades and indoor training facilities and stuff like that now they can spend it on the kids right and now they can say okay this player who's on our travel team who's a great player we're going to guarantee that she goes to the school we want because we're going to sign her to an nil deal where she's going to be paid to sign autographs once a year at our christmas christmas party or whatever it is Um, to make sure that she goes to school X. And I do think you're not hitting that. We're not far away from it. You no, know, right right on the nose. Somebody's um, going to be Because we're first. seeing it in football already. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's not going to be as widespread as it is in football because there's not as much money to be made in softball. But it doesn't take a, somebody to feel like they're going to get their money back from investing in softball. It just takes somebody that wants to invest in their school softball team. And then, and, then it's wide open. Yeah, and, and I think that that's... We're it's, going to hear more and more about coming. it, you know, we uh you know talked a couple of weeks ago about Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma football quarterback who basically put his name in the transfer portal and said, you know, I'm going where the money is. And I get it. I understand. I can't blame yeah. anybody, you know, if you if you're a 19-year-old kid and you can make generational money that's going to change your life and your family's life, I get it, but it's so far removed from what you and I would grew it's up with coaching. It's hard strange. To, it, I know. It's hard to get used to it. So, so the top 25 softballs on the horizon. We're going to be cranking it up. And uh, Coach Don and I aren't going to spend tons and tons of time talking about college news on a regular basis, but we're going to touch on it every once in a while because we know if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're certainly a college softball fan on some it. level yep. or, or another. So Don, that's going to bring us to our cleanup topic. Our cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack. That every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious,
1: all natural, and goes a long way
0: towards making a ball player
1: a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at pinnaclepowerbutter.com and they can place their order there. Again, that's pinnaclepowerbutter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. So Don, saw
0: it on social media this week and, and kind of just read the rule changes kind of uh, just for the sake of trying to understand. But Triple S A is changing their fast pitch pitching rules and basically are allowing leaping. The pitcher is now uh, legally allowed to have both feet airborne at the same time. There's a lot of verbiage and a lot of uh, terminology tied in there, trying to explain it and trying to talk about what it looks like and all those different kinds of things. But to me, it's, it's basically changing the rule to allow what has been going on pretty much universally for a long time. There's I'm been seeing a
1: problem with it, Tori. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's kind of been ignored for a while. And don't get me wrong, I've always respected the power pitchers and always respected how hard they work. And uh, you know, have worked with kids over time that I know, according to the letter of the law of the old rule, were definitely rule breakers. You know, they weren't. You know, every pitch was not the same. I've had the good fortune of having some pitchers who pitched for me who were absolutely within the letter of the law and probably never threw an illegal pitch in their entire life. That also had some success. But I think that this change, you Triple S A, is just kind of getting ahead of the train a little bit here. I think that they've kind of decided that rather than having everybody scream all the time, all year long. Every weekend, about well, so and so's team won the tournament, but their pitcher was illegal. They've kind of taken the one big area that people had for a bone of contention—the leaping aspect of it—and kind of solved that problem by changing the rule rather than trying to figure out how to enforce the rule more more emphatically.
1: Yeah, I think when we talked about it, uh, Tori, that was that was the whole point: is that some were enforcing it properly and some weren't at all. Right, and. Even it gets it gets confusing and challenging for kids when they're pitching too to, you know, have to conform to whatever level of that rule they're wanting to enforce that day. Right. So that makes it tough. And and there's a there's an advantage I think when you're able to to leap or crow hop or however you want to term it right. or be airborne, that kind of changes things. And how exaggerated are they going to allow the kids to be when they're doing that? And um, I think it's opening up a a little bit of a can of worms too
0: well i i think it it it's good news bad news you got to go back
1: and forth yeah well the good news you know? is
0: now for for teams that are playing u triple s a and for coaches that are coaching in u triple s a events we can spend less time worrying, worrying about, about it. something that was very difficult to enforce and the reason it was so difficult to enforce is because it was so haphazard you know one umpire and one crew would be very strict and then the next crew would basically allow you to do whatever you wanted to and there was no one field um, had a
1: trench dug out one right
0: and, and and so little consistency that it kind of got to the point where and i always you know understood the argument you know if, if you're a coach and you have a player who's pitching the exact same way today that she did yesterday or that she did yeah. two months ago yeah or that she did you know two years ago but and all now, of a sudden today it's illegal it. yeah. and yesterday it wasn't there's a high level of frustration that goes along with that. It's a very challenging thing for players because, you know, you go from one day, you know, I'm, I'm you know being watched with a, you know, like a magnifying glass and and every little thing is being picked apart to, you know, the next day I can kind of be a little bit looser and more, more relaxed and freer and, and nobody's going to say a word. But I, I tell this story because I think some people have probably lost track of it. It was, you know, eight, 10 years ago now that the college game went through a year where, they tried really hard, basically made it a mandate that all umpires, everybody who was doing college softball games, was to support and enforce the pitching rules to the letter of the law, which basically meant if the pitcher's drag foot was airborne ever, if there was a quarter of an inch of space between the foot and the, and the dirt, that it was an illegal pitch. And what we saw that year, and especially early in the year, was such a travesty, such a crazy situation. A very good friend of mine, Donnelly Canary, who was coaching at UT Martin at the time, played a game down in Florida where after about uh, the 20th hitter, the other team finally got an out because the pitcher finally figured out how to throw a pitch that was not going to be called illegal. And one of his girls, because the game was already a total runaway, runaway, swung at the first pitch she could. And hit a line drive at the shortstop or whatever, and the shortstop caught it for an out. But up until that point, the whole game had been nothing but illegal pitch after illegal pitch. You know, the pitchers are out there trying like crazy to fix whatever they can to try to make it work. Of course, they're trying to fix it in the most competitive and challenging situation ever. And it turned into a real difficult situation for a lot of teams, and and especially you know, when you think about older players that have, you know, such deeply entrenched habits, you know, everybody says, Well, just drag your foot. Well, doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. just work that way. Yeah. And, and and there's there's a lot of things that uh, you know I think of we can think of in, in the real world that you know kind of put that in perspective. Tomorrow morning I want you to brush your teeth with the other hand. Yeah. No, just do it. Do it. You know, just do it. That's <laughs> it. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how uncomfortable and it is. I want is. you to do a good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want you yeah. to brush your teeth with your opposite hand tomorrow and see how that goes. Or a lot of other things that you're so used to doing one way You know, and the most fundamental thing, I mean, we're not talking about rocket science. We're talking about brushing your teeth. But my guess is if I had to try to brush my teeth with my off hand tomorrow, after about 30 seconds, I'd be so frustrated. I'd just, you know, give up on it, you know, and not be able to make the adjustment, make the correction. And so to expect pitchers to be able to, you know, flip that switch from day to day, I think was asking an awful lot. So that part of it, I kind of like the idea of, you know, relaxing the rules a little bit. The flip side of it is, you know, we've talked about how, you know, when you watch men's fast pitch on YouTube and, and some of the stuff that the men's players are doing, those guys are flying. Yeah. I think if, if we take it to that extreme, then all of a sudden we're drastically changing the game again. Now, you know, when you watch in the men's game, by the time those guys throw the ball, they're five, six feet ahead of the mound. Oh, I mean, for they're sure. there they're, you know, and, and have, you know, really gained a gigantic advantage, you know, and obviously, you know, they're already throwing, you know, 70, 75, 80 miles an hour on top of the fact that they're. Basically jumping into the batter's box with you when they throw a pitch, it just makes me a little bit nervous to wonder how this is going to progress now over time. And then the flip side of it is, what if you play a U-Triple-S-A tournament this weekend, then you play U.S.A. next weekend, then you play Triple so Crown the many, weekend after
1: that? So many do. Then,
0: then you're playing high school, you know, and mixing all those different challenges in. I just think it's going to be. I wish we could have one czar of all things, all rule books, and just have one rule, you know, across the board for all the different sanctions that would hold true. But I think that's going to end up being really interesting, too.
1: Well, here's what I think is happening, Tori, too, is this is going to be part of an experiment. And if it goes well and if it makes things more simplistic, like you're saying, I think it might get adopted with the other certifications and stuff like that or with the other ASA, right. US organizations. Yeah, other organizations. And if it does, then it'll you know hold true for all of them. Yeah. If you think back, too, Fastpitch is kind of, Migrated from a a pitcher dominant with a white ball, uh, 40 feet, feet, you know, and then so there was no offense to trying to create more offense going back to 43 feet, the optic yellow ball. And seems like right now we kind of are in a a high scoring, you know, offensive phase. So this might just be that, you know, balancing of the scales and, and creating an opportunity for. Um, pitchers to do their thing and and be a little bit more dominant here going forward so do you think it might have a little bit of that well i think that's definitely
0: part of it because the one thing i can tell you for sure is there is not enough pitching and there definitely is not enough really good pitching now you know part of it is there's so many more teams and so many more kids trying to play now that it's more no- noticeable but every time i look on uh, facebook there's you know 25 or 30 teams and every one of them is looking for a pitcher or two And so I think your point is an important one, Don, that this might be a chance to give the pitchers a little bit of a boost, give them a chance to have a little bit more fun, have a little bit more of an opportunity to be successful, and that that might then, you know, kind of swing that scale back a little bit. Um, You know, to me, I'm a fan of more runs and more offensive softball, but I also miss the days of of seeing more pitchers that could actually shut shut somebody down. And then that's kind of become much more the exception than the rule. And so I think it'll be interesting to see. But so S, a changed the rule. Part of it is I think that they are, as you said, trying to set the bar and, and see how it's going to play out. But I think it's also a path of least resistance thing because they're just tired of having to argue with everybody about every tournament and every outcome and every week. So um,
1: we're going to fix this
0: one. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that, that it's sort of like uh, when they change the speed limit on a road where everybody's going to go 65 no matter what. All of a sudden, the speed limit sign changes, and it's 65. Right. And I think sometimes it just gets to the point where the you know, the authorities just don't want to fight the fight anymore. Sounds good. All right, so, Don, that's going to take us to our coaching tip of the week. Our coaching tip of the week was uh, brought to us a question from uh, Coach Tanya, and Tanya wanted to know about ways to increase arm strength. She's got a, a player on her team, a very mm-hmm. tall, skinny, um, younger player that uh, is just not throwing super hard, has been working hard at it trying to improve, uh, but was looking for some suggestions. And the first thing is, you know, we've already talked about a lot in the past, is having an organized throwing plan, a program, program. that's that, you know, designed to help. And I think part of that's always going to include a long toss kind of program. Now, Coach Tanya mentioned that they're already doing long toss, but I think that the first thing about long toss is we have to make sure that it's got some long-term some plan attached to, to it, it. some structure yeah. to it, and that it's not something that a player is doing once a week and hoping to see some sort of miraculous Improvement. Uh, improvement, you know. Yeah. I have a, a player that I've helped. Uh, she wants to increase her velocity pitching, and you know, we worked, uh, you know, two or three times, and you like, well, I'm not throwing any harder. It's like, well, you know, it's not going to be something that you just try something once or twice. It miraculously means you know you gain five miles an hour in velocity. You know that there's you know little bits that add up, and I think in Tanya's case for her player for the overhand strength that might be a an important part to pay attention to is if she's let's say she's throwing at 50 miles an hour overhand is her maximum she's not going to go from 50 to 60 she's not going to go from 60 to 70 what she's going to have to do is go from 50 to 50 and a half and then from 50 and a half to 51 and then from 51 maybe to 52 and it's that long slow slog that i think makes it so hard to stay the course for a lot of players and and coaches and because like well we've been working so hard on this but she's not making any progress well Sometimes you got we'll to be measuring it. Right. Yeah and, yeah. and sometimes we have to stick with that for a longer period of time. And as, as I said earlier, if, if you know, she's been maxing out at 50 and you get her on the gun and she threw through a couple at 51 for most of us, you know, the first blush like, well, so big deal. She only gained one mile an hour. What's, you know, wh- what's all the, you know, the hullabaloo about. But the reality of it is if she doesn't get to 51, she's not going to get to 55. And if she doesn't get to 55, she's not going to get to 60. And so we have to take those steps a little bit at a time. But a couple of other things to think about besides just long toss is general strength and conditioning kinds of things, uh, you know, especially for younger players. You know, They don't necessarily have a lot of uh, physical development going on yet. Um, you know, some of them haven't hit puberty yet. They're just not blessed with a whole lot of natural oomph, natural you know, sure. power. So a strength and conditioning program, you know, just a general overall strengthening and conditioning program Anything that makes the legs and the core stronger, it could, you know, can make you a stronger thrower and a stronger hitter and a better base runner and all those different kinds of things. And then the last thing I would say is just like everything else in our game, I think throwing is one of those things that a lot of kids are doing it with so much fear and so much uh, tension and so much. I guess holding back reluctance is a great word they're they're holding back because they're so afraid they're going to throw it away that they never really just cut Cut loose loose, and just let it go you know one of the analogies I use all the time because you know you know I'm a big racing fan that when you watch like the Daytona 500 the guy who wins the Daytona 500 almost crashes every lap right he's like so close to so close to on the edge that they're just like barely hanging on I mean they're going so fast that they're almost out of control and the guy who finishes 27th is just puttering around, playing it safe, you know, kind of just you know cruising along. Well, I think a lot of softball players are like the guy who finishes 27th in the Daytona 500. They kind of putter along because they're so afraid that they're going to throw it away. They're so afraid that something bad could happen that they never tap into that, you know, just pure, like, just let it rip, see what happens kind of attitude. So that might be part of this uh, discussion as well.
1: No, a few things that you said, Tori, that I think are, are really spot on. First one, I think, was uh, you know talking about having a, a regiment or a routine and having a plan that you stick to. I think sometimes you say, oh, yeah, we're going to go throw long. We throw long one week and then we kind of forget about it or we don't, ha- don't have an opportunity to implement it. But we have to have that plan and stick to it. The other piece that I really like uh, is the conditioning part, whether we're doing some band work on the fence or you know, some type of conditioning exercise to strengthen, you know, our shoulder and the joint there. And then adding on to that, the in general conditioning you talked about, core and forearms. It, everything we do, whether it's hitting, pitching, throwing overhand is all rotational. We're rotating with our core and the, the stronger we can make our core, I think the better off we're going to be both for, for strength and just for general safety, right. you know, we're not going to injure ourselves as much. Um, but our hand strength, typically we're not really strong. You know, young ladies aren't strong with their hands. And to be able to, you know, have a wrist snap at the end of a long throw, to be able to do those types of things, I think are, are things that we can definitely enhance and make better through a conditioning program. Yeah. Um, and then the last piece you talked about is just the young lady strength. I don't know what the age of this particular student was, but they're all going to kind of come into their own or come into their strength in time and to not be over patient with that. Cause we can still do these other things to get where we want to be, but, but to be a little bit patient and let them, you know, let them grow into their, their frame and all these pieces are going to come together in time for sure.
0: Well, one thing you mentioned down that, I think, uh, kind of made me chuckle a little bit is I've had maybe, I'd just say 10, maybe 12 players that I've coached over the course of my career that just had cannons, you know, just like like the ball would come out of their hand, and it was like some sort of superhuman awesome to watch. kind of thing. Yeah, and every one of them, I can remember, if you shook hands with them, I felt like the uh, you know the the skinny ninety eight pound weakling on the beach that was getting sand kicked in his face because all of them had a stronger grip and a stronger handshake than I had. It's something, right? Yeah. 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 And so whether that's forearm strength, wrist strength, just grip strength, strength, all of those yep. combined, there was a definite connection. And and I uh, thinking back on it now really wish I would have been smart enough at the time to try to figure out what the connection was between that uh, amazing handshake and, and the fact that, you know, the ball would come out of their hand and, and you know, they actually were that player that the runner should almost be shaking hands with somebody in the dugout and they could still throw them out kind of throws. Out by a step. Yeah. That's awesome and, and to so, watch. But so, Tanya, hopefully that will give you some stuff to think about. You know, definitely continue along the long toss program. Make sure that you stay regimented with it. Let's do some overall general physical conditioning core specifically you know the the abs the back uh, the glutes you know the the bigger muscles um, hand strength wrist strength forearms i think you know coach don you know made that point really really clear and every once in a while don't let have her just throw just for the sake of seeing how far it can go or how fast it can go without necessarily worrying about where it goes when she does that just so she can kind of trick her body into going a little bit faster air it out but i think all of those are ways to to hopefully see some improvement and obviously, you know, as, as we said, a couple of different ways, you know, let's just be realistic about it. If she gains a mile an hour, you should all have a picnic, you know, have a, you know, some cupcakes and have a little celebration. And if she gains another couple, two or three miles an hour, do it again. Cause every time she makes a gain, she's going in the right direction. And I know it's very frustrating sometimes because it doesn't seem like a 1% or 2% improvement is really worth worrying about. But my experience has been what ends up happening is you have 2%, 2%, then 2%, then 2%, then 2%. Then 2% and before you know it, you got 10%, and you went from 50 to 55 and all of a sudden that
1: does feel like a lot. No, I think you, that's going to be exciting. Off. Yeah. No, anytime you can make those improvements, celebrate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So
0: hopefully that will help, Tanya. So for all of you, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, please make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Coach Don and I love talking about stuff that you're interested in. We definitely love the listener questions um, and and any suggestions. And always, let's keep the ball rolling. We had a great week for player of the week nominations. Let's have another great week so we can keep recognizing players from all over the country because we really want to do that. It's important to us. And again, that's fastpitchprep at gmail.com or fastpitch at gmail.com. If you go to our fastpitchprep.com website, you can order the Square Cuts training discs there. You also have access to over 700 blogs. Uh, Stan posted one on Facebook from uh, last week about stop overcoaching that had a gigantic react on Facebook. Uh, I got
1: lots of smiles on that one. Terry. Yeah,
0: had a, a lot of uh, positive feedback. And, of course, one or two people that think I'm an idiot, but uh, I've kind of gotten past the point of worrying about those one or two <laughs> people that think I'm an idiot because uh, you know, a lot of people like the stuff that we're po- putting out there. It's all fun and good things to think about. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, if everybody agreed, we wouldn't have much fun to, you, know, you and I wouldn't have much to talk about. Uh, so make sure you check out uh, uh, fastpitchprep.com. And uh, as always, we appreciate uh, the support of our patrons. Go to patreon.com slash pitch Become a patron if you can, and make sure you support our sponsors, Anderson Bat Company, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Torrey saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.